صباح الخير جود مورنينج دي ليسنز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Bringing you the news and views and the untold side of the Palestinian struggle for freedom from a Palestinian perspective. Good morning, listeners, and a happy 2022 to you. I trust and hope that you had a relaxing break and enjoyed the podcasts we had over the summer. We're back with a fantastic year planned ahead, and very excitingly, very excitingly, we're joined by a dear friend of the program who's going to talk to us about the Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions campaign against the Sydney Festival. We're joined by a dear friend, Agent of Chaos, Fahad Ahni. Good morning, Fahad. How are you doing? Good morning, Nas. It's good to speak to you. We spoke about this before we started recording, Fahad, but Agent of Chaos is our new synonym for activists. We're moving forward beyond activists. We've grown to Agents of Chaos. I love it. So we'll trademark that for Palestine Remembered. We're going to go talk about the campaign. Most of our listeners will be aware of the campaign from what they've seen in social media of late. But in fact, you guys started sort of October, November last year. What alerted you to the challenge there? And what is the challenge? Yeah, so that's right. Last November, the Sydney Festival program was released. And almost immediately, because there were quite a few artists involved who were from our background, the presence of this logo on their program that said Israel in big, bold letters was quite concerning to them. And it wasn't clear at that stage why it was there and what was the nature of this partnership or the sponsorship that the Sydney Festival had with Israel. So at the time that was going on, Sydney Festival had actually extended an invitation to Dr. Michael Mohammed Ahmed to join their board. Mohammed is a founding director of the Sweatshop Literacy Movement, which is a literacy collective based in Western Sydney. And in the process of coming onto the board, he was alerted to this sponsorship by members of the Arab artistic community. Immediately, Mohammed put the brakes on his appointment and said to the board of Sydney Festival, hold up, what's going on here? I need some clarity around what this is. In response, the chair of the board, David Kirk, wrote back saying, this is a partnership with the Israeli embassy in Canberra. And the purpose of this sponsorship is to support the production of a dance, as well as a few other things, including a reception event hosted at the Sydney Opera House by the Israeli embassy and some online dance classes, etc. But their position was, this is not very unusual. We, we partner with embassies all the time. We don't know what you're worried about, essentially. So Mohammed wrote back to us as in the community of artists and organizers And we crafted a response. So we wrote a a letter that was co-signed by a number of us who were working in the space of the arts in Western Sydney and in Arab communities. We sent that onto the board saying that we as artists 
of Palestinian and Arab background do not feel safe being in a festival that is serving as a vehicle for the self-promotion of the Israeli state. We cited the fact that Israel is engaging in the crime of apartheid. We cited that this is not a sort of innocent arrangement. The reason that Israel does these things is because it wishes to use culture as a smokescreen to deflect from the crimes that it does commit. And we also drew a connection between the dispossession of Palestinian people and the fact that Sydney Festival operates on stolen land as well. And incorporating the often very almost, uh, you know, lip service to Australia's First Nations. Sydney Festival, they pride themselves on creating this inclusive space and respecting First Nations people and really talking the good talk. But here they are doing deals with an occupying settler colonialist regime in Palestine who, as we've seen during the week in Sheikh Jarrah, perpetuating the ongoing Nakba, the ongoing ethnic cleansing of Palestine. There's an issue too with respect, not only with the arts washing, but also with the fact that the Sydney Festival went and sought this money. Mm. They went and spruiked for it, and they did so during the May massacre last year. Yeah, that's right. So after we sent this letter off to the board, they offered to meet with us. So we we went ahead, we met with them. A, a small group of people, including myself, met with the board of Sydney Festival. And in that meeting, they disclosed that they had actually set up this sponsorship arrangement much earlier in the year that Sydney Festival approached the Embassy of Israel in Canberra asking for money. And that happened in May last year when a number of things were happening. The first was the expulsion of Palestinian residents of the neighborhood of Sheikh Jarrah in occupied Jerusalem. The second was attacks on Muslim worshippers at the Al-Aqsa Mosque during Ramadan. The third was Jewish fascist gangs marching through the streets of Jerusalem, particularly through the Arab neighborhoods of Jerusalem chanting death to Arabs. And the fourth was the bombardment of Gaza, which leveled the Gaza Strip, targeting hospitals, schools, refugee camps, and very notably the International Press Office of the Associated Press. That was the context at w- in which the Sydney Festival approached the Israeli embassy. They could not have been blind to the situation and the context. It's just crazy. And in particular... David Kirk, MBE, member of the British Empire. He uh, was awarded that for his services to rugby. He's a medical doctor. He's the chair of the board. This is a guy that boycotted the South African team in the 70s. And yet here he is standing by. I mean, he's apologised, some sort of wishy-washy apology and probably almost said they won't do it again. But he won't move back. They won't back down. As I know, something over 100 artists, performers, staff have withdrawn so the impact on the sydney festival somewhere between 30 and 40 percent of shows have been impacted in in some form close to 30 shows in their entirety have been removed so the campaign's been a huge success tell us a how you communicated our concerns to people but also i want you to comment on the because we've been accused of being violent uh, and demanding and demeaning in requesting solidarity So the first thing to say there is from the very beginning of this campaign, artists were integral to the organizing. Artists alerted us to the problem in the first place. And from that very moment, which we began the campaign, they have been a part of what we were doing. So the perspectives of the arts community have always been 
incorporated into what we're doing. And for that reason, we are very, very aware and we're guided by these experiences. We're aware that the last two years have been a shocker for artists, including loss of work, the impact of COVID. And we know that this is a hard ask because we're beginning to reopen and we're asking people to boycott. We are aware that that is not an easy thing to do. So from the very beginning, we decided as a collective that what we are going to do is we're going to issue a call for artists to boycott the festival. That was a firm ask, a very solid line. And artists could make the decision whether to respect that call or not. If they chose not to, then we respected that decision. That doesn't mean we're not disappointed with it, but we respected it. And we understood that on short notice with COVID that sometimes, and also I should say the almost the financial pressure that Sydney Festival was bringing down to bear on artists not to withdraw, so holding them financially liable if they were to withdraw. All of that created an environment where Artists, artists, even if they wanted to, um, even if they wanted to withdraw, the artists just couldn't. So even in those circumstances, though, for a quarter of your program to be completely wiped out by the campaign is just, you know, extraordinary. So with that in mind, we had always said, look, we are not going to pressure any artists to pull out. We're going to leave it entirely up to them. We're going to make the ask. We're going to be firm about our ask, but we're going to be polite, respectful, and we're not going to engage in any kind of mean-spirited behavior. And that was a core, a core value that we had instilled from the very beginning. So when we hear this accusation, oh, these, you know, these organizers are bullying artists, it's not grounded in reality because we we certainly haven't. All of our communication has been super respectful. We understand that it's short notice, but that is largely out of our hands. It's, uh, it's a product of the fact that the program was only released in November. By the time the board replied to us was December 20th, um, and the festival started on January 6th. So we don't have a lot of time to organize. And I, we've asked, okay, where where what are you talking about? What is this in reference to? Show us some evidence of us engaging in harassment. Um, and there's always a sort of like a vague sort of, oh, not, not you guys, like other people. Who are these other people? And I think it needs to be said that if fans of particular artists or acts are disappointed in their favorite band, then they're entirely entitled to be disappointed. And the way that they express that disappointment is entirely up to them. But that's not a campaign issue. That's something that artists need to be more conscious of in terms of the relationship that they have with their audience. Absolutely. Um, and we can't be put, held liable for that. What we can do is to say that we are trying to build a campaign that is built on a principle of justice and recognizing that we are not going to put people in positions where we, we kind of reproduce almost the violence of the Zionist regime. Indeed, indeed. One of the things that's been most heartening for me, I mean, th these are, are big names. We've had, you know, the the output of the campaign is without peer with respect to a single Palestinian event and particularly, particularly with respect to the BDS campaign because the BDS campaign, the Boycott, Divestments and Sanctions campaign has been sullied. I mean, it is a pure movement. It is asking for a simple act of solidarity. It's a call by Palestinian civil society to show solidarity with Palestinians under occupation for their just right to self-determination, for peace with justice, for restorative justice. But we've been maligned by this smear of anti-Semitism and as if, as if Palestinians are not upset with the occupation. 
as if Palestinians are not upset with the ongoing violence, not upset with the prison camp that is Gaza, not upset with the refugee status for uh, well into 74 years now, not upset with any of the ethnic cleansing. We're only upset with our occupier because they're Jewish. Mm. In fact, if the Sikhs were occupying us, we'd be okay. The single reason that we're upset is because our occupiers are Jewish. And nothing to do with the violence that's being perpetuated. It's only because they're Jewish. Well, in this movement, this campaign, whether it's online, in the media, in polite society, BDS has been shown for what it is. A call in solidarity with an oppressed people. And when you talk about the names, I mean, I'm super excited, super excited by the Indigenous solidarity between the Indigenous acts and people like Amy McGuire who have shown amazing, amazing solidarity with another Indigenous people. But then, you know, the white breads, if you will, like Judith, Lucy, I mean, somebody I didn't know would be anywhere near us. You know, Tom Ballard, Nazim Hussain, but, and so many of the others. But when you go through the list of acts and people who withdrawn, they are brown and some of them are Muslim. And of course, you know, for someone like Michael Muhammad Ahmed to knock back the prestige of a board position on the Sydney Festival. That's no small ask. And this is a man who's not Palestinian, but he understands what intersectional struggles are about. And sitting on that board, it, it's a huge, huge impact in calling for the, for the boycott, in getting these names. I've noticed from the outside just how well-planned it's been. It's been systematic, like every sort of three or four days, Boom, somebody else drops. And it's got a, a momentum of its own. A huge credit to you guys, because obviously beyond the just call and the desire of well-meaning people to sympathise, empathise, participate in and respect that call, there's a compelling call from the arts community to participate in, you know, a political action because arts is intrinsically political. Real art is political. Real art is truth to power. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing there and something that we need to you know, bring into the frame is the fact that arts funding is also political. We don't live in a society where the decisions that are made about the funding of the arts sort of, you know, the money doesn't drop down from the sky. For arts funding has been systematically wound back by conservative governments, including the current government in New South Wales and federally. And for artists to say, okay, well, I'm not getting involved in a political struggle over art, leaves them vulnerable, I think, to sort of future attacks on the arts because they wouldn't have a leg to stand on if you take the position that the arts are in a political space. Even if you don't feel like your own art is political, but if you take that position, you can't fight back. And so, you know, governments can make political decisions that you're not necessary. You're not, you're not someone who should be heard. And you won't be able to push back against that because unfortunately you don't think arts is political to begin with. Um, so that's the first thing. But then the other thing is, I think it's really phenomenal. A lot of the first acts to withdraw were people of color. They were First Nations artists. And you know they, they made up the bulk of the people to, to pull out at the very start. And that's, I think, a indication of the fact that people who have lived and suffered under settler colonialism can see it for what it is when it happens to someone else. Subsequent to that, we also had a lot of people who aren't people of colour withdrawing, and that's been 
amazing to see. I want to, in, in particular, give a shout out to the queer community. A lot of the artists who pulled out were queer and just especially thank Bankstown Poetry Slam and Arab Theatre Studio, the two organizations that from the very get-go had said, if you go ahead with this funding, we're pulling out well before the campaign was even like established. So a big shout out to them as well. Brilliant. Let's put into context the challenge of the Sydney Festival, accepting apartheid Israel money to arts wash their apartheid. Now, during the week, we touched on it earlier on, the Salahiyya family in Sheikh Jarrah. In the middle of the night, they were arrested, disappeared, and their house was bulldozed. The night before, the family stood on, their, on the roof of the house so they couldn't get arrested. They said, we'll die here. We got thrown out of our house in Ain Karam, only a couple of kilometres from where Sheikh Jarrah is in West Jerusalem. If they were Jewish citizens of the State of Israel, they could use the Israeli civil courts to fix that. They could go back to their home. But as Palestinians in an apartheid state, that legal redress through the civil system, civil courts, is unavailable to them. That's apartheid 101. The Nakba of 1948 for Palestinians is an ongoing daily crime. Listeners, a reminder, we're speaking to Fahad Ali out of Sydney, one of the co-organisers of this fantastic event. Fahad, tell us one of the challenges of accepting apartheid money. Israel has been found to engage in the crime of apartheid. And that's not something that is, uh, you know, that that is not a vague accusation. That is a legal opinion that was issued by Human Rights Watch and more recently as well by an Israeli-based NGO called Bitslim. On the basis of a number of factors, A, the differential treatment of Palestinians and Jews before the law in Israel, and the intent to maintain a system of dominance and supremacy. On that basis, Human Rights Watch came to the opinion that what was going on is apartheid. And now that doesn't even begin to cover even the tip of the iceberg of the system of domination and control that the Palestinians are subject to. We're talking about forced expulsions from homes. We're talking about restrictions on movement, pregnant women forced to give birth at military checkpoints because they're denied passage to hospitals. We're talking about you know, constant aerial bombardment of Gaza. The list goes on and on and on. Settler attacks on homes, people arrested in the middle of the night, orchards and olive groves burnt to the ground. You cannot give a very quick summary of all the crimes that Israel is committing upon the Palestinian people, but they are so egregious and so utterly visible that you just need to look at one example in isolation to say that is And for Sydney Festival to take money from a country engaging in these human rights abuses is sort of beyond the pale. And people say, well, you know, China engages in this, Australia engages in this, and we don't boycott them. I mean, that argument is silly. It's it's kind of like, well, are you admitting that Australia commits human rights abuses? And and so you've admitted that, but you also won't do anything about that either. Like we are, we people on our side are calling for an end to Australia's dreadful treatment of refugees. I don't see you doing that. So like they'll use Australia's terrible human rights record as a shield against having to do anything anywhere else, but then won't even address it here. I just find that so utterly bizarre. Yeah, that whataboutism. You don't complain about China. Are you sure we don't? Boycotts are illegal. Hold on. We're boycotting North, North Korea. We've got sanctions against Iran. This is a country that has got the longest ongoing military occupation 
in the world. You know, we jumped up and down about Crimea. How dare Putin? For a little moment, we're a little bit upset with what's happening in Myanmar because uh, Aung San Suu Kyi has been held by the generals again, but we really didn't care that much about the Rohingyas. You know, brown Muslims were, you know, the fact that, that that's ethnic cleansing, but we let that go. That what about is, why aren't you complaining about anything else? Why are you only boycotting the only Jewish state in the world? Well, hold on a second. I, the, the only Jewish state in the world, is oppressing a people and those people have called for this action. They've called for this action. And in solidarity, we're choosing to heed that call to boycott, divest and sanction this apartheid regime. One of the things that comes, I get every now and again from Zionists is it's, it's ineffectual. You're using an Apple phone and boycott and divestment sanctions done nothing. What would you say to somebody who said that BDS is a failure, it's doing nothing? I think that's an interesting sort of accusation because, I mean, boycott isn't a dogma. You don't need to boycott everything in the world. You boycott things because they are tactical to do so to achieve the ends that you're seeking. And in this case, we're seeking an end to the occupation. That doesn't mean we need to that doesn't mean we need to boycott every single thing that comes out of Israel ever. It means that we make decisions about what to boycott to put pressure on an apartheid regime. I mean it's like Henry Ford didn't boycott horses while he was putting a car together. He was on the horse till he got a car. Indeed. And you know, the other thing is I think oppressed people know how best to liberate themselves from that oppression. If we don't boycott, what is the alternative? Palestinians have a history of engaging in liberation struggle. Okay. And they didn't like it when we were, you know, when we engaged in armed resistance. They told us, don't do that. Okay. And then we we put together a boycott call, which is a non-violent form of direct action. And then they told us, don't do that. What do we do? I had this exact argument for had earlier on today with a Zionist. And I said, there's four things. Armed violence. We've all agreed it doesn't work. And then we had negotiations. Well, in 1993, the handshake on the White House lawns, a Palestinian state was supposed to happen within five years of 1993. That's 39 years ago. Armed violence, there was negotiation, and now we're going boycott, divestment and sanctions, and you're going, we're anti-Semitic. So the fourth option, the one you want us to do, is just to lie down and take it. That's not going to happen. We're going to boycott, divest and sanction you. We want to expose you for the rogue, racist settler colonialist nation that you are and the best way for us to do it is in forums and platforms like the campaign that you've helped co-organize in the sydney festival to expose israel for what it actually is a brutal settler colonialist nation that is endeavoring to take over all of historic palestine all of the palestinian geography with as little Palestinian demography as possible. That was our dear friend and esteemed Palestinian academic, Dr. Salman Abu Sitta. Yeah, and I think the other thing here is that BDS or the boycott campaign has been massively successful. I mean, the call for boycott came out of Palestinian civil society in 2005, backed by Palestinian trade unions, political associations, artistic groups, the whole gamut of Palestinian society represented in this call to boycott the occupation. When it started, they kind of, you know, brushed it aside like, oh, what is this? This isn't this isn't a big threat to the point where a few years down the line, they had to set up a anti-BDS ministry that they had to incorporate into the functions of their government to challenge BDS. Apparently it's boycott. It's like both ineffective and also like super effective. A strategic threat to the only Jewish state in the world. The biggest threat. Don't worry about Iran. <laughs> and, you know, the it's just, it's mind boggling because it is successful. It is making, you know, of course it is. massive waves. 
people for the first time, I think, in this colony are beginning to talk about Palestine in a way that they don't have to do it in hushed tones. It's no longer a dirty word. When the press begins to use the word apartheid, and you're like, oh, wow, they wouldn't even say the word occupied five years ago. Yeah. This is massive. Now, people like talking about the boycott or the press, I should say, likes talking about the boycott without necessarily spending too much time talking about why we're boycotting. Like we are boycotting for a reason, right? Because of the occupation, because of the apartheid. In the first instance, we were boycotting. The only reason we were doing it was because of the dance. And this is another argument I had. I said, I wouldn't care if the Israeli embassy was sponsoring a cupcake sale. And we told the Sydney Festival Board when we met with them in person that we did not have an issue with the dance. That wasn't our contention. And indeed, if they could find an alternative source of funding, then we did not care if it was like whatever event was in the program. Um, the fact that there is a, a choreography, a dance that was choreographed, uh, the choreographer is, is Israeli, but the dance company is a Sydney dance company. Like, I mean, the, it's just, we're not targeting, we, we, don't, don't, we don't care. We're not targeting, targeting an individual Israeli. No. We're targeting the funding. We're targeting the fact that this is blood money. <laughs> and, um, you know, we've made that clear yeah. many times. We're targeting the fact that Israel gets to put their embassy sticker on a program to make it look like they're a normal country. We've, we've made this point. It's not a normal country and it can't be and should not be treated as a normal country. It needs to be outed as the pariah that it is. And we've made this point so many times and every single time we make it, we get sort of ignored for people to fill in their own narrative. Oh, the Palestinians are upset about something. It must be some dance. No, if they would just simply listen to us and platform us, we have an imminently reasonable position, but they know that. They know that our position is reasonable. They know that it comes with you know, the force of moral clarity and just platforming us. The very act of platforming us is dangerous because we speak truth. Mm-hmm. One of the, let's, let's go in a couple of minutes to go. Uh, Fahad, again, we're joined by Agent of Chaos, Fahad Ali from Sydney, yeah, one of the co-organisers, uh, great dear friend of mine. The outcome, I mean, from my point of view, I mean, there's a couple of weeks ago, so hopefully a few more people uh, will resign We've had um, Ben resign from the board, and maybe you want to touch on that. But in my mind, one of the great outcomes is no one's taking Israeli apartheid money in a hurry again, are they? Oh, I don't think so. So that, that's a huge win. Why don't you talk about Benjamin's resignation? I mean, because that's not a little thing either. Yeah, look, Benjamin Law is someone who has been a a friend to many of us in the uh, boycott campaign for a while. And we should just talk. He, he, we're talking before about token representation on the board with respect to, to Michael Muhammad Ahmed. Benjamin Law is their token, queer, Asian, you know, it ticks mm. two or three boxes, you know? Um, and not to take away from his very substantial achievements or the fact that his. A great guy. That's some great work, absolutely. But he's come out and. Yeah, Ben Ben has decided to uh, resign from the board of Sydney Festival. Ben recognises in his statement that the process by which the festival adopted the sponsorship but also was unable to sort of resolve the issue that it had created was at odds with his position being tenable. So he withdrew and, you know, that that is something that um, we're very grateful for him 
doing and we, we understand that it couldn't have been an easy decision. We, I think it's, it's really important to, to, to just focus on the key issue here, which is that Sydney Festival decided that $20,000 of sponsorship money, which is less than 1% of their overall sponsorship budget, was worth more to them than two of their board members, who are both people of color, and hundreds of artists who withdrew. They lost a quarter of their program withdrawing in solidarity with us, all for $20,000 of apartheid money. And we should just say, I, I, I know a couple of Palestinians who in fact offered to replace the 20,000 anonymously. They didn't want any recognition, didn't want a Palestinian flag on the uh, program, but they just didn't want the program to have the uh, Israeli logo, Israeli sponsorship, blood money, as you said earlier. And it just goes to show that this isn't really about money at the end of the day. This is about a board which has, you know, sided with an apartheid state and is throwing artists under the bus. You know, if I were an artist in the festival, how could I possibly go ahead without feeling some sense of compromise, which is what a lot of artists have told us, even the ones who are unable to withdraw but are standing in solidarity with us, have said that they feel so terrible and they hate the fact that their work and their names are being associated with Sydney Festival while it is acting as a vehicle of Israel's PR campaign. Great way to finish, Fahad. Thanks so very much for joining us. Fahad Ali, agent of chaos and co-organiser of the magnificent BDS campaign against the Sydney Festival. Monday, the 24th of January at 6pm. That's Monday, the 24th of January at 6pm, a couple of days away. Why we're boycotting the Sydney Festival. Why we're boycotting the Sydney Festival, a Zoom event hosted by the organisers. You'll hear from them as to thoughts, thinking, how, why it's an extension on our time today with Fahad. If you go to the podcast, there'll be a link there on how to join that Zoom event, why we're boycotting the Sydney Festival, 6pm on Monday. There'll be a link to some other articles too. Thanks for listening. And remember, there's never been a better time for a free Palestine.